0: Chapters eleven and twelve of The Clock Struck One by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eleven-PREPARING THE GROUND When Dora returned to the Red House she made up her mind-since Allen refused to tell her his secret she would discover it herself, and judge if it were as serious a bar to their marriage as he asserted; she did not think for a moment that allen knew who had killed edermont but she could not help concluding that he was aware of something likely to lead to the identification of the assassin perhaps he knew the story of edermont's life set forth in the manuscript which had been stolen from the bureau by the murderer but whatever knowledge he was possessed of dora saw plainly enough that he was resolved to hold his peace the truth is she was afraid to admit his motive for silence even to herself she half guessed the reason of his determination but she neither spoke nor thought about it there were two ways in which she could go to work either begin from the arrival of lady burville at hernwood hall and progress onward to the committal of the crime or begin from the fact of the murder and trace back its motive to lady burville after some consideration she decided on the latter of these two courses but lady burville had departed and dora was ignorant of her present address even if she did learn it there was no excuse whereby she could gain an interview with the lady she had no proof that this stranger was implicated in the crime and if she were a fact which dora fully believed there would be little chance of forcing her into confession this course was therefore out of the question but there remained the other starting with the evidence which had gathered round the crime itself the theories the suppositions the beliefs dora thought she might piece together scattered hints and facts which might be woven into a rope strong enough to hang the assassin but the difficulty in the absence of all absolute knowledge was to discover the criminal and there was yet another thing to be remembered the reward of fifty thousand pounds had brought into competition hundreds of men bent upon gaining the prize from far and near, they came to Canterbury and haunted the environs of the Red House. But not one of them entered the gates, for these were kept locked, and the famous postern through which the assassin had passed had been bricked up by Dora's order. Every labourer and tramp and shopkeeper in the neighbourhood was questioned and cross questioned by these pests, but none gained any information likely to solve the mystery. No trace could be found of Edermont's past life he had appeared in the place twenty years before he had bought the red house and a few farms he had lived in retirement since that time beyond this nothing could be learned and notwithstanding the magnitude of the reward no one was fortunate enough to make a step forward out of the night the assassin had come into the night he had gone and neither inspector jed nor the many amateur detectives could trace him to his hiding-place hemmed in by these difficulties on all sides with no information to go upon with obstinate people like joad allen and mrs tice to deal with it can be easily seen how difficult was the problem which dora wished to solve on surveying the situation her heart failed her she felt helpless one chance she had of making a beginning and that was by questioning joad as to the motive of the crime that this motive was to be found in edermont's past life dora was certain and as joad was more likely than any one else to know that past he would be the proper person to apply to for information from conversations that she had overheard the secret of the horror which had overshadowed edermont's life which had sent him to church and to the consolation of the litany was known to joad and as joad evinced a decided admiration for her she resolved to use such admiration for the purpose of discovering the truth when she learned the secret of edermont's past she would learn the name of the person he dreaded that name would identify the assassin and if she found the assassin she might be able to learn and do away with the unknown obstacle to her marriage with Allen. she would gain also the fortune of the dead man but that in dora's opinion was a side issue in the meantime and before she had time to formulate her plans which indeed were but in their inception mrs tice came over bag and baggage to play the part of dragon at the red house dora was glad to welcome her within its walls not only because she promised to stand a bulwark of respectability against Jode, but also because mrs tice might reveal by accident something of Edermont's past the conversation at canterbury had shown dora very plainly that some time or another mrs tice had been acquainted with the recluse and that such acquaintance must have been prior to his purchase of the red house at that period had been endangered the terror which had haunted the poor creature and mrs tice might have some inkling of its nature the old housekeeper however was not to be cajoled into reminiscences of the past she kept a guard over her tongue and resolutely avoided all dora's hints and significant remarks it was quite a week before dora could induce her to converse on the subject at all and then she spoke in an ambiguous fashion life at that moment seemed to dora to resemble a theatre with a curtain down if she could induce mrs tice to raise the curtain what shadowy drama of the past might not be performed seven days after the arrival of mrs tice she lifted the curtain a little a very little but revealed enough to excite the liveliest curiosity in the girl it was after nine o'clock and as usual joad had been turned out to have his supper and talk classics with mr pride the schoolmaster the gates were locked the shutters of the windows were closed and mrs tice was seated in dora's own sitting-room with a basket of work before her Dora sat by the one window, which had not yet been shut, and the pale light of the evening floated into the room to mingle with the dim radiance of the solitary candle which illuminated the busy fingers of the housekeeper. Meg Gance was in her kitchen, resting after the labours of the day, so the two women were quite alone. Suddenly, Dora yawned and stretched out her hands. "'Hey ho!' she said in a wearied tone. "'How long is this going on, I wonder?' "'What are you referring to, Miss Carew?' asked the housekeeper in her pleasant voice to your life here yes to my lonely and miserable life i feel simply wretched do not say that my dear young lady you have health and youth and many blessings no doubt replied dora scornfully but i have lost the chief of my blessings you mean mr allen said the old lady in an embarrassed tone yes i do mrs Tice and since he has left me i do not see why i should not accept the attentions of mr lambert joad the wretched old man worships the ground i walk on of course you are jesting said mrs tice with an uneasy smile but i see that mr joad admires you more's the pity why more's the pity well you see miss he will not relish your rebuffing him for his impertinence and he is likely to prove a dangerous enemy pshaw he can do me no harm "'I am not so sure of that, miss. "'He knows a good deal about Mr. Edermont's past life.' "'Dora turned round and looked sharply at the comely withered face. "'Is there anything in the past life of Mr. Edermont likely to be harmful to me?' "'Yes,' said Mrs. Tice deliberately. "'There is.' "'And do you know what it is?' "'Yes, miss, I know what it is, and so does Mr. Allen.' It was a knowledge of that past which sent him up to London. Since he returned, we have talked over the matter, and we have both concluded that it is best to hold our tongues. But if Mr. Joad knows the secret and you rebuff him, he may not be wise enough to keep silent. "'I am glad to hear you say so,' cried Dora with animation. "'Since I can learn the secret from no one else, I'll see if a rebuff cannot loosen Mr. Joad's tongue.' if you are wise you will let well enough alone warned mrs tice feeling that she had said too much dora crossed the room and stood with her hands behind her back looking indignantly at the old woman upon my word it is a shame she said in a low voice i am apparently surrounded by pitfalls on all sides yet no one will tell me how to avoid them if you remain quiet you won't fall into them replied mrs tice with a nod quiet cried dora frowning good heavens how can i remain quiet when i see my life falling into ruins no 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 she stamped her foot defiantly i must act i must inquire i must know what all these mysteries mean you will never arrive at that knowledge miss carew i'm not so sure of that mrs tice remember your hint about that joad creature i'll wring it out of him if i can't out of any one else mrs tice dora flung herself on her knees before the housekeeper did you know mr edermont before he came to the red house yes miss carew i can admit that much i knew mr edermont was that when you were alan's nurse yes miss carew in the service of alan's parents i was in the service of doctor and mrs scott replied mrs tice composedly pray don't ask me any more questions miss carew for i cannot answer them you will not you mean said dora rising never mind i have found out something from the little you have told me mrs tice looked up quickly impossible she said anxiously i have revealed nothing oh i can put two and two together mrs tice said dora quietly alan told me that his parents lived in christchurch hunts that his father and mother are buried there now, if you knew Mr. Edermont while you were nursing Allen, Mr. Edermont must have lived or have been on a visit at Christchurch. Consequently, if I go down to Christchurch, I shall learn something of Mr. Edermont's past life. Mrs. Tice fell into the skillfully laid trap. "'You won't find that the name of Edermont is known in those parts,' she said without thinking. "'Precisely,' said Dora coolly. "'Edermont is a false name. I have suspected that for some time.' "'Thank you, Mrs. Tice, for admitting it. "'I have learnt so much from you. "'Mr. Jode will tell me the rest.' "'Mr. Jode may or may not,' said Mrs. Tice doubtfully. "'Do not go too much by what I am saying, Miss Carew. "'You have a skilful and crafty person to deal with. "'Are you talking of yourself?' "'By no means. I am neither skilful nor crafty. "'I allude to Mr. Joad. "'You seem to be well acquainted with his character, Mrs. Tice. "'Did you know him at Christchurch?' "'No, my dear. "'I never saw the man until I came here, to this house. "'But I have eyes in my head, and I can see that he is singularly deceitful.' "'Perhaps, but harmless.' "'Mrs. Tice shook her head with pursed-up lips. "'I disagree with you. "'The adder is harmless so long as it isn't trodden upon.' "'Tread upon Mr. Joad, my dear young lady, and he will bite.' To emphasize the last word, Mrs. Tice snapped off a piece of thread and looked up at Dora with a sharp nod. Evidently, Joad had failed to impress her favorably. "'I have no doubt you are right,' said Dora, after reflection. "'He would be dangerous if he got the chance, but I don't see where his opportunity for mischief comes in.' "'Neither do I, Miss Carew. But he'll watch for one.' You mark my words. Dora did not reply to this remark, as she was of the same opinion herself. She was thinking about Carver's remark touching a past romance of Edermont's, and of her own statement to Allen that Mrs. Tice might have been the woman who had to do with the same. It was now her desire to find out if there was any grain of truth in her supposition, but she did not know exactly how to put it to Mrs. Tice. At last, she thought the best method to approach so delicate a subject was by a side issue your husband is dead isn't he mrs tice she asked with apparent carelessness yes miss carew replied the housekeeper he died more than twenty-five years ago and his body is buried in the graveyard of christ church priory were you much in love with him we respected and liked one another said mrs tice judiciously but we were not madly in love were you ever madly in love with any one mrs tice no my dear young lady was the laughing reply never i am not a romantic person dora thought for a moment was mr edermont handsome when you knew him first he was passable miss carew a little womanish man even in his youth his hair was white the effect of nerves i believe he was always nervous poor soul he had reason to be evidently Yes." said mrs tice sharply good reason i never liked him but i was sorry for him determined to know the exact truth dora put her question plainly were you in love with him what said mrs tice laughing with that rat of a man no my dear i had better taste This was conclusive, and Dora was satisfied that whoever had played the part of heroine in her guardian's romance, it was not Mrs. Tice. CHAPTER Twelve, A TERRIBLE ACCUSATION The next day Dora altered her demeanour towards Joad. Hitherto she had been cold and unapproachable. Now she sought his society with smiles, and quite bewildered the poor man with kindness, if Joad, who was naturally very crafty, had not been in love, he would have mistrusted this sudden transformation and been on his guard. As it was, in the then state of his feelings, he ascribed Dora's changed behaviour to a desire to be on better terms with one who was bound, owing to the terms of the will, to come into contact daily with her. In this belief, he reciprocated her advances and vied with her in amiability. On her part, Mrs. Tice viewed the comedy with displeasure. Nevertheless, she made no attempt to interfere. Although she was unwilling to be an active party in revealing the truth to Dora, yet she was by no means displeased that the girl should learn it from a third person. Dora was deeply in love with Alan, and the sooner she realized that there could be no union between them, the better it would be. To come to such an understanding, it was necessary that she should learn the secret, when she was possessed of such knowledge the housekeeper was satisfied that even if dr scott did desire the match dora would refuse her consent thereto therefore mrs tice preferred being spectator to actor for some days dora pursued her amiable tactics and joad fell deep and deeper in love he was well aware in his own heart that this girl young enough to be his granddaughter would never consent to be his wife but for all that he put no restraint upon his feelings moreover he had a weapon in his hand which he hoped to use with effect in spite of his belief that dora might not accept him voluntarily he fancied that he could force her into the match by making use of the weapon aforesaid but it was not to be brought into active service save as a last resource meanwhile the comedy of may and december of methuselah in arcady of an old man's darling went gaily on Joad paid more attention to his dress he drank less brandy and talked more affably instead of burying himself in the library he was to be found haunting the steps of dora he loved her very shadow and was never tired of gazing at her face she seemed to him to be the most beautiful the most wonderful the most gracious woman in the world and he gloated over her charms like an old satyr crafty astute and worldly as he was he fell prostrate at her feet a debased merlin entangled in the wiles of an artificial vivian dora played her part bravely but at times it was too much for her and she would leave the house to scour the country on her bicycle joad was too old and shaky to accompany her and she was thus relieved in some measure from his senile adoration but however near she approached to canterbury she never entered the town or sought out allan no she said to herself when unusually impelled to make the visit first i shall learn the truth once in possession of allan's secret of the name of mr edermont's assassin and i shall know how to act till then i shall remain absent but with all her diplomacy it was not so easy to gain the confidence of joad the least hint at mr edermont's past and he withdrew into himself he evaded her most dexterous inquiries and when she pressed him hard assumed the character of a dull stupid old man who knew nothing about the matter yet he was not unwilling to discuss the details of the murder and subsequent robbery although he professed himself unable to account for either by acting thus he ignored the question of edermont's secret enemy but one day dora succeeded in forcing him into plain speaking but the revelation made was one she was far from expecting the beginning of the whole matter lay in the fact that she discovered joad in the library the worse for drink it was not that he was confused or maudlin for the man's brain and speech were both clear but he was filled with dutch courage which made him more audacious than usual dora reproved him for his vice you should be ashamed of yourself drinking so much brandy mr joad she said severely i have not touched brandy for weeks said joad lying glibly after the fashion of habitual drunkards dora looked at him in contempt and pointed out a tall mirror before which they were both standing it reflected her own tall straight form and also the figure of the disreputable old sinner can you see your face and deny it she said in a tone of rebuke your eyes are red your clothes are awry your leave me to bear the burden of my own sins said joad sullenly if i take brandy i don't ask you to pay for it but you are a gentleman a scholar persisted Dora, sorry for the wretched old creature. You should be above such low vices. We cannot be above the depths to which we have fallen, Miss Carew. My life has been one long failure, so it is scarcely to be wondered at that I fly to drink for consolation. Few men have been so hardly treated as I have been. Yet Mr. Edermont helped you. No doubt, retorted Joad viciously but he would not have stretched out a finger to save me if i had not forced him to you forced mr edermont to-i forced him to nothing interrupted joad seeing that he had gone too far it is only my way of speaking don't mind the ramblings of a foolish old failure dora looked at him silently his eyes were filled with tears and ashamed of betraying his emotion he turned away to busy himself with dusting a book In the few words which he had let slip, Dora saw that he had possessed some power over the dead man which had won him house and home. That power, she believed, was connected with the lifelong misery of Edermont and with the fact of his murder. The idea made her take an unexpected step. Seizing the astonished Joad by the arm, she whirled him round so as to look straight into his eyes. "'Did you kill Mr. Edermont?' she asked abruptly. Joad looked at her in amazement and sneered in her face. "'Oh, Lord, have you got that idea into your head?' said he contemptuously. "'No, Miss Carew, I did not kill Mr. Edermont. One does not readily kill the goose with the golden eggs. By Julian's death I have lost a protector, almost a home. Do you take me for a fool?' i take you for a man who knows more than he says said dora tartly then i am wise i keep my own counsel until the time comes for me to speak i do not understand you you will some day retorted joad with a leer and that sooner than you expect i wonder at your accusing me of this crime he continued in an injured tone by your own evidence the murder took place at one o'clock and at that time i was talking to mr pride in my cottage i wonder at your talking like this miss carew i beg your pardon mr joad said dora ceremoniously i know that you proved an alibi there is one thing about you that i admire she added after a pause Jode's eyes glittered like stars as he turned an admiring glance in the direction of the young girl and bent forward eagerly. "'What is that?' he demanded. "'You do not care for money.' "'No,' said Jode, after a pause. "'I do not care particularly for money. As long as I have a roof, a crust, and my books, I am satisfied. "'My wants are simple. "'But why?' he continued looking at her in a puzzled way." Why do you make such a remark? Because you refuse to pocket fifty thousand pounds. You allude to the reward. My dear lady, I cannot gain that. I am not so sure of your inability to do so, said Dora coolly. With your knowledge of Mister Edermont's past life, you must know who it was he feared. If you know the name of that person, you know who killed him. With that knowledge, why not apply for the fifty thousand pounds? "'I am not so omniscient as you think, Miss Carew. "'But we will suppose, for the sake of argument, "'that I have such knowledge. "'What would it benefit me to gain this fortune? "'You could do good with it. "'Could I gain your love?' "'Dora turned away with a flushed face, "'feeling the delicacy of the position. "'You must not talk to me like that, Mr. Joad,' "'she said with great dignity. "'Why not?' i love you then you ought to be ashamed to say so i am the affianced wife of another man alan scott yes said dora with emphasis dr alan scott bah why should you think of him has he stood by you in this trouble not he he left you to fight the matter out by yourself besides there are reasons why you should not marry him dora's heart beat rapidly was she about to learn the truth had her rebuff brought about the desired result and would this old man reveal what so long had been hidden she believed that such was the case and could scarcely manage so intense was her excitement to ask the necessary question to lure him on to a full confession however by an effort of will she managed to keep her voice fairly steady are there any special reasons that you know of several snarled jode rubbing his hands together with an evil glitter in his eyes i should be glad to hear them she said in the tone of an empress i dare say you would but i don't intend to tell you what they are why not demanded dora trying to hide her disappointment at this unlooked-for result because i don't choose to speak until it is my pleasure to do so said joad insolently oh i can see what you are up to miss Carew. you are trying to force the truth out of me for purposes of your own but you shan't 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 The old creature stamped with rage, and his face grew so red in his excitement that Dora really thought he was about to have a fit. She looked at him in astonishment while he strove to control his anger and assume a dignified demeanor. Such conduct was not to be tolerated, and Dora walked towards the door of the library. "'I shall return when you know how to conduct yourself,' she said coldly. Before she could open the door, the delinquent shuffled after her in a state of childish repentance. "'Do not go! Do not go!' he cried piteously. "'I am very sorry! Indeed, I am very sorry!' "'Then why do you talk such nonsense?' said Dora, seeing that she had gained an advantage. "'Do you think I want to know your secrets, you foolish old man?' "'Yes, yes, I am a foolish old man,' he repeated, catching up her words eagerly. "'But do not be angry with me!' i love you oh dora dear sweet dora i love you and whining in this fashion the old man fell on his knees rise mr joad do not be foolish get up at once i insist not until you promise to be my wife i love you i am old but my heart is young listen listen he continued glancing round If you want money, I can get 50,000 pounds. I know who killed Julian. Dora tore her dress from his grasp in horror. You know who killed Mr. Edermont? Yes, I will tell the name. I will gain the fortune. I will give it to you. Only consent to be my wife. Your wife? cried Dora, shrinking back with visible repugnance ah i know that i am old said joad piteously but reflect there is much to be gained by you i cannot live long you would soon be my widow i would leave you all the money and think how rich you would be i wouldn't marry you if you offered me millions said dora with contempt i love one man only and him only shall i marry joad rose in a fury don't tell me his name he shrieked i know it alan that miserable wretch but you shall never marry him never how can you prevent our marriage by telling the truth by gaining the fortune he stepped forward and seized her wrist i hold the life of your lover in the hollow of my hand "'What do you mean?' panted Dora. "'Explain.' "'You wish to know my secrets?' "'Well, I shall tell you one. "'One only. "'That will make your heart sore and your face white. "'Who killed Julian? "'Who came here in the dead of night and struck his foul blow? "'Who but Allan Scott? Allan Scott, the murderer! "'Curse him!' End of chapters 11 and 12